Welcome back to the Risk Roundtable for September. As always, I'm joined by the amazing David Pounder and the very wonderful Jen Lynn Walker. We're here to share ideas regarding risk and security and homeland security and all sorts of exciting topics. We conduct this week's Risk Roundtable. I hope you check out and subscribe to our other podcasts as well. Jen's a cybersecurity evangelist where she has a cybersecurity-focused discussion with a number of invited guests. Dave's always good nerd-out security panel discussion where Dave moderates a discussion with uh, great leaders from across our industry addressing terrorism, extremism, hostile events, and other relevant topics. And my monthly Day 15 interview with a variety of special guests. As always, I'm really excited about this month's special guest, where as I delve back into Jen's world, and I know Jen will be envious when she hears my interview this month. So with that, guys, welcome back. What's going on? How are you? Hola. Fine. Don't yeah, have to deal with as much COVID as, uh, as Dave does. I don't know. Yeah, no, Jen, you you're so sadly mistaken, Jen. I mean, look, I just want to explain to the listeners here. here we've we got go. Andy without a shirt on. We've got <laughs> like craziness going on in the background with my my kindergartner going around, you know, talking about uh, fairies and this show I've never heard of. Do you know Netflix has the weird like you can go down that Netflix tube and you're like, where the heck did that show come from? <laughs> But so we've got this and you're going to bring in COVID to Florida. I mean, this is, come wait, on, Jay. I, I feel, I feel Dave, like you're something showed up on your Netflix profile and trying to blame it on your daughter, but <laughs> was it? <laughs> hey, remind me at the end, I'll share a little something, a little, uh, a little update uh, from my end that your, your daughter might be interested in. So I'll share that with you later on, but. Yeah, and Jen, come on. We all know there is no COVID in Florida. I saw a great video today where a gentleman was adamant at his school board meeting. There is no COVID. It's a deep state uh, conspiracy and uh, the, the so-called vaccine you refer to. So get your facts straight up there in, in Pennsylvania. Dave, you drive on <laughs> your COVID-free state of Florida. All right, guys, I know uh, we're making a little fun, having a little fun. There's important things to talk about here. We're recording this right before the Labor Day weekend. And uh, there is a lot going on as always, as we start this last, what's what I'm looking for here, trimester of 2021, I think that's where we are, right? Yeah, I think so. So, all right, Jen, why don't you start us off? Anything on your mind that you start off today's podcast? Oh, I thought we usually talk about what we did on our podcasts or what we were looking for. Like, like to. I said, this is like it's madness today. This is, it like is. completely off cycle. Andy's, I'm still can't get over Andy's without a shirt. Okay, so, hey, Dave. <laughs> Jen, why don't you start off with your podcast update? I, actually, I did. I probably shouldn't have said anything because I, I, I took last round off. So I yeah. punted what I was going to do last that, round. That's this why round. I was skipping it, Jen. <laughs> There's, there's a method to the madness. <laughs> yeah. So I might, I might make it go out of a solo run again uh, or, or this month um, because I punted it last month. I just couldn't pull it off with some travel and conferences and or a conference prep and that kind of stuff. So sorry. Well, we missed, we missed TCE. We're excited to get it back and to listen to it here in, in September. So we're looking forward to that. Dave, anything you want to share about your last podcast or the one that's coming up? No, so we had Travis and Bridget are two, two of the uh, three, well, I guess it's, it's with me involved, it's, it's three of the four horsemen that are usually there. Travis, right. We're missing out on Travis, but we're trying to get him back up for the next time, especially since college football season's coming around. I know Travis was the adamant Buckeye fan. So um, moving forward, we will probably, we're going to have a next one. I'm going to try to get the panel together again, because one of the topics I think we're going to touch on today uh, that should be 
you know, about that same time. So just want to look into some of that. So I uh, don't want to spoil it any further. Yeah, there's definitely going to be some interesting things to talk about with, with the upcoming nerd out, I'm sure. And, and also, I, I, I had a great podcast review last month with Amanda Mason. If, if you didn't hear that, uh, she's really got a remarkable story of veterans. She still continues to serve some amazing things with related companies. Just a real great contributor to our homeless security environment. One of the people I really appreciate for all the sharing that she does. So that was a great discussion. I was really glad to talk with Amanda. And again, I'm really excited about this month's guests. I get to talk with. Wait and see, Jen. We're gonna you're gonna be again. Just just mm. very very envious. So it's it's a it's a great guest. Looking forward to it. So with that, Jen, with with your permission, we'll move into the next segment of our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so. All so, right, Jen, take it away. What, what do you want to start us off with? For so a little something for everyone this time. Okay. Um, specifically, so let me just ask. So as we're approaching this fall season, what is something, what's your favorite fall cuisines? Cuisines? Cuisine, yeah. I don't, I don't do a lot of seasonal eating. I don't think Dave, do you do a lot of seasonal eating? Is there like, I, I like seasonal desserts. I mean, there's a lot, like I'm thinking apple pie. Yeah, Cause no. you can go Dave probably soap. doesn't count because he lives in the South. And okay. so I'm they thinking where I'm leading into this. <laughs> anyway. I, 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 I don't really have it, but I'll say my, my wife does. She, she looks forward to uh, butternut squash soup from Arab bread. <laughs> every year and, and it, like she's she's always heartbroken when it disappears from the menu and then she's waiting for it to come back to the menu so while i can't say i've got seasonal flavors and favorites on behalf of my wife i'll give a plug for panera bread and their butternut squash soup well that's that's perfect and i know i know dave we heard it last time you hate butternut squash soup i got it we're not gonna go there just saying <laughs> but yes soup that's it. So besides pumpkin spice, I think that was my lead in for this last year, but besides pumpkin spice, everyone looks forward to soup. But this time I'm not talking potato or spicy tomato or butternut squash. I'm talking about acronym soup. So starting this month, we get four servings of acronym soup, actually two in September, one in October and one in November. I'll give the quick rundown. So this month in September, we start off with, um, so these are kind of national preparedness and awareness initiatives that are applicable to all from a personal perspective, business perspective, also includes physical concerns, physical security, and as well as cybersecurity awareness type things. So we start off this month with National Preparedness Month, or NPM, um, as it's affectionately known. Uh, we also have uh, NITAM, which is National Insider Threat Awareness Month, and that's for September. In October, we're going to look forward to NCSAM, which is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. We'll talk more about next month. And then November uh, has gone through a series of different acronyms. So the longest one usually is NCISRM also been shortened down to ISM, but all of, all of that to say it's um, Critical Infrastructure Security and resilience month or infrastructure security month. So depending on what, but again, all those initiatives regarding national preparedness and awareness um, applicable to personal business alike includes physical and cybersecurity. So we're just kind of raising that level of awareness. We did talk about it last year as well. Um, national insider threat awareness month, probably more applicable to businesses than, than personal. Um, but that's um, how we have these threats within 
um, you know, raising awareness to the threats within our organizations. We all represent um, a threat to our organizations, whether it's intentional or most of the time it's not intentional, it's accidental. Uh, but needless to say, we need to raise the awareness and in, in the culture, um, cybersecurity culture or a culture of security, or as Dave would say, security mindfulness um, helps to raise our awareness um, of the threats that can be posed from employees, um, contractors, former employees even. Um, and then we, of course, we have National Preparedness Month. And for that one, I would like um, Andy or Dave to serve that one up and tell us a little bit more about National Preparedness Month. Dave, you want, you want to catch that ball or? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I was going to say on all of these, I mean, National, look, National Preparedness Month, I think that we all try to get into this preparedness mindset and preparedness culture, because it, I, I mean, I think we just see it time and time again, whether it's Hurricane Ida that didn't start off to be a whole lot, but then wound up to be so much more and not just in one part of the country. When we talk about, um, you, you know, the impacts of what some of these events can have on communities, I, I think a lot of people tend to be a little dismissive because, oh, that doesn't happen here. And I think Hurricane Ida was a perfect example of the ways that something that that really should have just been in the Gulf Coast um, wound up impacting pretty much the entire west of the Mississippi, um, or I'm sorry, east of the Mississippi, and and, um, and just had significant impacts. And people, uh, not to say that they weren't were necessarily looking for bad things to happen, but the preparedness probably wasn't to the same level as it as it could have been. And I think with especially with some of these weather events, we really need to look at them. So in the effort of National Preparedness Month, I mean, that that's really our goal is to be able to look at these things and say, hey, if this were to happen, even though the likelihood may not be high, uh, are we prepared? Do we have at least the basic essentials? And for so many of these events, the common commonalities, like the core elements of preparedness are the same. I mean, it, whether it's a rain uh, event or whether it's a winter storm or, or whether it's a hurricane uh, ver versus a, you know, just a significant a tornado or whatever, you're still going to want to have those core preparedness things, right? I mean, batteries, flashlights, you know, backup if, if necessary generator, uh, first aid supplies, or, you know, is it bad enough that you need to maybe evacuate? Do you know your evacuation route? All these things are out there. And, and I think ready.org does a really great job of, of capturing these things. And so I think with that, that's that's probably where I'd take National Preparedness Month. Uh, um, what do you have, Amy? What do you got? Yeah, and I really appreciate that. So I, mean, I look at it in, in two ways. I'll speak to three things, I think. So one, you know, there's there's big picture preparedness, which is what we spent a lot of time on at Day 15, right? We, you know, we harp on you know, planning, training, exercising, part of it is organizing, equipping, and, and then continuous improvement. And that's a lot of what we do as, as a business. It's a lot of what we encourage folks to do. And, and in reality, very few, you know, take that on as aggressively as they really should be to be prepared for any variety of serious risks that they could encounter. And, and so that's something we, we preach and, and we, we spend a lot of time supporting in reality. But I think when it comes to National Preparedness Month, you know, they've, they've talked about, you know, ready.gov and and they really start to bring it down to the to user level, you know, what Dave was talking about. And, and you know, this year, uh, the four weeks are focusing on make a plan, build a kit, low cost, no cost preparedness, and teach youth about preparedness. And it's really about, you know, am I ready? Is my household ready? And I think it's important to look at both those, right? Organizationally, are we doing those things individually? 
am I doing those things? Go ahead, Jen. And don't forget about our friend, uh, your friend, especially um, with What's Your Plan? That's right. James DeMaio has done a great job with his book, What's Your Plan, of just sort of helping individuals think about what do I need to think about as I go out and about on my own with my family to the shopping mall, to the amusement park, and just some really simple ways to look at things and be mentally aware and prepared about our environment. So we appreciate his good book. We'll, we'll share a link for that in our notes and, and encourage folks to check that out. It's not expensive and it's really uh, very good, simple things to consider. So if I could, just to make a, 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 a plug for something I think has been really good, I want to give credit where credit is due. And speaking of preparedness, I think we have to give credit to uh, the White House and specifically um, Ann Newberger, who's really done a great job of promoting ransomware preparedness. You know, this is the second time yesterday prior um, after some significant ransomware incidents, she came out with a White House memo that spoke to things organizations should be doing to prepare for ransomware. And we shared that in our, in our show notes a few times. We'll share it again. Yesterday, I just came back out and listed five things organizations should be doing to prepare for, for this weekend uh, with an eye for potential ransomware incidents. And I think that, that steady drumbeat, that regular encouragement is really positive. And I think that the challenge is are organizations paying attention? Are they listening? And they're taking action the way they're being encouraged to. And I think, you know, we, we can put all the good advice and ideas and best practices out there. We spend a lot of time doing that. It's good to see the White House doing that. And they're good tips. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it comes down to leaders, owners, and operators investing the time and the resource to make those things reality. And I hope that they're taking uh, heed to, to the warnings that are being shared from the White House. We'll share the, the notes from the um, press conference yesterday. Really good guidance. And it's worth people checking out and, and, and following if they can. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say too. We're like you said, we're recording this before the holiday weekends, but there's been this push on reminding organizations of that propensity for um, ransomware and other cyber attacks, but most notably ransomware over the long holiday weekends. So I want, I just I'm hoping that as you're listening to this come, you know, this, this Tuesday probably that um, everyone listening has fared well and were prepared and or didn't experience any ramifications from that. So. Yeah, from the weekend, but it's it's coming one way or another at some point, right? We know that. Yeah. So yeah, great, Jen. Jen, great, great way to start us off today. Anything else we're gonna talk about as you talk uh, acronym soup? Uh, I had one more acronym soup, actually, or one more acronym, a little less on uh, preparedness month than insider threat awareness month, but um, it was a little. It's a it was a CISA, another acronym, Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, um, <laughs> but a little thing they had. I uh, kind of wanted that I get to nerd out on. I know I'm borrowing Dave's podcast theme, but I don't get to nerd out very often and and go back to my technical roots. So I was really excited when this um, product came out from CISA. It was called Get Your Stuff Off Search. I know there's no acronym there. However, they kind of sh they shortened it and called it SOS. So Stuff Off Search. And it really talked about, um, it had some primers and to assess and discover your internet exposed assets for your company. Um, so if you like to kind of dabble in stuff like that, or that kind of stuff interests you, um, and you're on the cybersecurity side, um, you know, take a look at get your stuff off search. We'll have the, you know, we'll have the links. Um, and uh, with permission, <laughs> look for those assets that might be internet exposed and, um, you know, 
get them off the internet if they don't need to be there in the first place. And then this is a regular kind of hygiene thing where you're doing this, you know, periodically, monthly, or as your environment changes, which it changes, you know, on a very regular basis, some, you know, in some cases. Um, so it's always good to be try looking for your, um, your internet exposed assets and, you know, getting them off search. There's uh, search um, engines, widely available search engines. I know we've talked about on this show before, like Shodan, uh, things like that, that the bad guys use, uh, the good guys can use it too. Well, the started for the good guys and the bad guys use it, but good guys need to see, keep using it and find these assets and, and things before the bad guys, um, break in and use them. Um, and that brought me to what we let, we always love to share the good work that other people do. And I saw this one today, um, uh, pen test partners are actually a UK, uh, pen testing and cybersecurity firm. And they posted a blog and this one really resonated with me. I want to read it a little bit more, but, um, it really, it, it boiled down to how they were able to access a building, building control systems and, and really an elevator, um, through a guest Wi-Fi. So they talk about how to secure and segregate your building systems. Um, and then I, I kind of asked the question, like, how are your, if you're, you know, a commercial facility or something of that nature, um, or you operate in a commercial facility, you know, how are your building systems? Are, are you sure they're segregated from your guest Wi-Fi? And are you sure? So that was kind of my little attempt to geek out there on another acronym but uh, that's stuff off search. Um, that, so. that was a good one. I mean, she's been putting out some good guidance of late, some timely ideas, and we'll share those links. I actually have the Pentest Partners uh, blog open because that's an important one for some of the communities we get to work with. So I'm glad you brought that up. I look forward to diving that much, a little bit more myself and sharing that out um, with some of our community partners. So all great points, Jen, all great ideas. It is a world of messy acronyms. We can only hope that this <laughs> November's national uh, critical infrastructure, security, and resilience month is somehow abbreviated to something far less than that god awful mouthful this year. But we still got a couple months for the administration to figure out what they want to call that one. So thank you, Jen. As always, anything else before we pivot over to Dave? Nope. I'm All right, good. great start, Dave Pounder. You look lovely in that not quite emerald green, maybe like a, a seaish green. green, but it it's it's a great look on you. So I appreciate that. And what what would you like to emphasize and share with us today? You know, usually when they make acronyms, they try to make it so that you can actually you use it in the thing. I don't think you can the yeah. tamen or you know, I, I don't. Yeah. I, it doesn't doesn't quite roll off the tongue. You know, usually gets in some weird stuff. But the, so the, the terms are, actually right there's there's technically there's there's acronyms and there's initialisms, right? So these god awful three oh, and four. You're and five going letter, this route. Yeah, yeah. Initialisms <laughs> are just messy letter combos yeah, like, okay. like Nixrum. Initialism right? that, that, soup. That nobody can pronounce. Yeah, there's just, there's just there's letters, whereas acronyms are supposed to be, you know, pronounceable, clever things, right? So so I say you're right. More acronyms are needed, less initialisms because nobody likes those or they're <laughs> awful. There we go. Okay. All right. Well, so the, coming to me, I, you know, I had thought we'd maybe move beyond some of these things, but uh, we're clearly not. Um, so I'm going to focus on some protest activities and, and some potential disruptions and demonstrations in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, there's the, uh, well, first of all, we've seen a lot more anti-vaccine type of disruptions, uh, whether that be at, at vaccine sites. We've seen over in England, two instances in which groups had 
um, targeted media outlets, one in which they thought was the BBC headquarters, but in fact, they had moved, um, the BBC had moved several years prior, but they, the intent was to disrupt the BBC because they felt that they were um, pro promulgating uh, or promoting vaccines. Um, and the other one was, I think, ITV. I think that was last week or maybe earlier this week. I, I, they, they bleed together at some point. But, you know, we have those type of activities, again, where they're trying to go inside the building, not, not just protesting outside or maybe even harassing em employees going into the building. Not that that's good either. But these were actual um, movements to inside the building where they then proceeded to harass and, and try to disrupt things. Um, no acts of violence, I think, but at the same time, is it's a concerning trend when you see it come in. And then there's been reports out of Georgia all week. Um, and again, this is, you know, the, the first week of September going into Labor Day. So the reports out of Georgia where vaccine uh, sites were being disrupted by a group of people, uh, in some instances, were getting a little bit uh, physical in nature. Um, and so these are concerns, obviously, the, the COVID battle still continues, the media or the propaganda wars on both ends are, or the perception of propaganda, um, that's probably not the right word, but misinformation, disinformation going on um, is really getting intense, uh, and especially with uh, businesses and organizations really taking charge, I mean, taking lead on some of these vaccine mandates um, where, you know, hey, we're going to go back into the office and you're going to have the vaccine or, or you know, you're just going to have to find somewhere else to work. And, and that's, that's, you know, being acknowledged right now, but we're not far away from people probably saying um, this is not right and I'm going to take actions into my own hand against my former employer. So we have those concerns. And then we have you know, still remnants of this uh, January 6th incident on the Capitol, where we now have a movement calling for the justice of the J6. Um, J4, J6, I think is the short name for it. You can probably find a hashtag for it on, online. But again, the groups are uh, upset over the some of these people who have been arrested for what was considered a, a violent, in, you know, violent activity on the U.S. Capitol. Um, those people who were arrested were being held as political prisoners. You even have some politicians standing up and calling for calling these individuals political prisoners, not helping the situation, folks. I mean, it's really not helping the situation. And and I, I mean, I we've been beating this drum now for over a year uh, prior to the election last year in the, you know, around COVID in the first place, then going into the election, then obviously we had the, the January 6th stuff. And I think we thought at that time, okay, everyone recognizes the line was crossed and maybe we'll get back to normal. Actually, it's just done the opposite. It's further emboldened some of these groups uh, for, you know, maybe they're not as public, but actually they, they kind of have been. So, um, so here we are again, and all I would have to say is individuals, organizations, you really have to start paying attention to this. Uh, you really have to start tuning in to uh, crediting, you know, validating and verifying your sources, uh, understanding where the content is coming from, understanding bias. Our old friend Jarena uh, had great stuff about bias. Um, and so when you really look at it, we really have to factor that in. It, the information 
needs to be scrutinized and we need to start making informed decisions and not just following somebody because it had a million clicks on it or something. So I think that's a concern coming up for me. And I, I it's, it's kind of disheartening to be frank. So, and coming from the land of COVID free, right? I mean, women <laughs> you go wrong. You live, you live free and you're COVID free down there. In <laughs> that's, that's right. right. Jen, Jen, I certainly got some thoughts to add there. Anything you want to throw out there before I do? No, that is out of my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you bring up some really good points, Dave, right? I mean, I think you know, when you look around the world, um, there are places that you know, violent uh, armed struggle and, and and leadership changes are sadly part of their way of life. But that's that's not the case here historically in the United States, right? I mean, typically, you know, and, and this goes beyond elections. I use the election as a, as a sort of you know point of reference, right? We. We have you know violence agreements during election season, left and right, arguing and calling names and all sorts of things, but it, it doesn't get physical. And then after election day, you know, historically, Americans accept the results. They go back, you know, half are, are, are drunk happy and half are drunk sad. And, and we pick up the pieces and we start campaigning for the midterms, the next presidential cycle, and and life goes on. And and that changed this time around, right? That that change culminating in the events on on January 6th at the Capitol, which is just something we haven't seen here before. And, and you know, something that isn't, isn't uh, limited to one political belief or ideology or another is in this country, we generally have frowned upon, you know, agitators taking things from protests and, 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 and disagreement to physical. And, and we see that happen on, on you know, but again, both sides. And it's not, it's not limited to uh, supporters of one party or another. There's, there's aggressors on, on all sides. But that seems to have increased. And you look around the country now and you see you know, school officials, school board meetings ending with blood and violence and punching. When we see you know, routine threats and things of that nature, it, it is a point of concern. And so if you look at, for example, this you know, Justice for J6 event, 18th September in the nation's capital, uh, both, both protesters and counterparts are saying the right things, right? We want to keep it peaceful, respect law enforcement. And that's all good and well. And the vast majority of folks start out with that intention. It's those few agitators that go in knowingly, whether it's black bloc protesters at a G7, G20 event, or it's, or it's you know, a, 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 an aggressive individual like the, the, the Yahoo that drove his truck up to the Capitol you know, just a couple of weeks ago that want to inspire others to violence. And you write the rhetoric of some politicians further encourages that. And once things start getting violence, those that didn't intend to roll into that find themselves caught up in it, find themselves throwing sticks and throwing punches, and it can get out of control really fast. I think you bring up a really good point. I think what really matters for organizations is where you started, right? So I might have a protest and I'm targeting the BBC, but I'm not at the BBC, right? So if there's a, if there's a protest event in and around my organization, I need to be aware of that because it could end up in my lap and become my problem, whether I'm the target of the protest, target of the agitation or not it could unfold in a way that I didn't intend and become my problem. So we really need to be aware of these things, talking to our hometown security partners, knowing what our adjacent units, are, you know, organizations, tenants, buildings to the left and right of us, what they're doing, what they're preparing for, how they're gonna respond, and really the coordinated effort to sort of manage and, and respond to instances that could come up. So it's, it's a really good point. So I think just like COVID, I think we'd love to stop talking about, but folks on the ground won't let us. Yeah, and and you bring up the the really important points about the organization, you know, and just understanding what the impacts are going to be there, because you know we can't just simply look at these things anymore and say that oh they're just going to be marching down the road anymore. I mean, what what's the protests like? What's the counter protests like? Just go back to that whole culture of preparedness. 
you know, we, we have to start thinking about all of these incidents and doing the next, the second and third level of effects. You know, what, how am I going to be impacted from this, if not directly, indirectly? You know, for businesses, it could be, you know, business operations should be shut down, could be shut down. There could be destruction to their property that they hadn't anticipated. Do they need to take any precautions there? Do they, what if they have employees who are not coming into work or if they have people who are fleeing a, a scene and they come in there? What, what happens there? These are all things I think we need to have these honest and real discussions about. Uh, within our organization. And, and again, it doesn't matter if you're a business of one and you're renting out a, an office space in, in a high rise, or if you're you know, a, a multinational, multi-billion dollar company, you, you, everybody should be having, and these are not, I mean, there's frameworks. It's not hard to have that discussion of just, okay, this is happening today. What does it mean for me? Do I need to make alternate plans? If this does change, am I going to know? Am I going to be aware? And I think what we've seen a lot from these organizations, like you said, is that it may start off one way, but then something gets in the mix to, you know, really cause it to spark out of control. Are you actively looking for that to know, okay, we've hit the tipping point. I need to implement my emergency plan right now. So I, I think those are the key facets on, on all of these discussions. Yeah, that is a great point. So I'm going to go back. I mentioned my interview last month with Amanda Mason, which I really enjoyed. And I, I highlight two of her quotes in, in the show notes. I thought they were right on and really applicable to what we're talking about right now. And one, she says, we can't necessarily predict, but we can prepare. And I love that, right? Because you know we, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We can certainly take actions to prepare for what could potentially happen. If you're a security leader, if you're an intelligence leader, if you're a if you're involved in maintaining security and order at your organization, that's what we have to do, right? We, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We don't know if there's going to be a ransomware incident over the long weekend. We can prepare for these things. We have a responsibility to do that. And the second one that I thought was great is she says, we have to do our tabletop exercises. We have to think of the worst case scenario. And Dave, you and I grew up in the Army. The Army loves to think about you know, worst case scenario, most likely scenario, right? What, what, what's the worst thing that could happen? And then what's more the most likely things that could happen and somewhere in there you find the right balance of what we need to do here because you can't necessarily plan and resource you, you might not be able to respond to the potential worst case on your own but you can plan for what's realistically the worst thing i have to prepare for and plan accordingly i thought those were great quotes and they apply very much to our environment today whether we're looking at protests or cybersecurity threats there's things we can be doing every day as part of that culture preparedness that you both mentioned to be ready and at least be somewhat positioned to respond to the instance that could come our way. So I thought those were great points. Amanda, thanks for letting me plagiarize your phrases. If you're listening, what else Dave was saying on that topic? No, I, I, I'll just say just to kind of tee on the, you know, kind of build off what you said, and those are great, great quotes. I think, so, uh, you know, a, a thing that you can use is always that, you know, plan for or anticipate uncertainty. What What is uncertainty? It right now, what do you not know about what's going on? Um, and then how do you try to find out? Or how do you just say, okay, well, there's too much uncertainty in this instance here. And now I'm going to make decisions based on that uncertainty. And, and again, um, you know, I, 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 and this is really not a, an apples to apples comparison, but, you know, I, re, I remember, you know, as a kid, um, you know, getting out of school because of what they thought was going to be a hurricane, a really bad hurricane. And, and by the time, so we, they let us out early 
And by the time it came in, it was really just a rainstorm. So we were like, oh, let's go play tropical storm football, you know, as, as kids right down the, down the street. And, and you sit about it and you're like, you know what, that, that was a level of uncertainty that the, the school district determined was they just didn't have enough clarity on. They, they thought it could be X, Y, or Z. And so they made a decision. Okay, so what? So kids got out early today. Is it the end of the day? Same thing with your business. Okay, so you make a decision and it doesn't wind up being as bad as it is. Doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. It just means, you know, you're going through your own process. You're going through your own drills to make sure that you're making those right. You know, you're, you're going to be right more than you're wrong. And, and in the end of the day, if you, pl you know, plan for uncertainty and you didn't do anything and it got bad, then what's the liability there? So, I mean, you really just have to start going through, these are deliberate processes. I mean, this is not a spur of the moment thing. It, organizations, we keep saying it over and over, start planning and preparing. You, you know these events, a lot of these things are well choreographed and anticipated. Hey, start talking about it. Step one, get in the room and talk. Yeah, and then, I mean, you know, it goes back to what we, we encourage so much here at J15, right? Understand the threats, assess the risks, and take action, right? We harp on that all the time. That's really what it's all about. We understand our threat environment. I think a lot of organizations do understand the threat environment. Are, are they really considering the risks and are they doing the right thing to draw down that risk? Here in lovely Loudoun County, going back to that school reference, we close schools on the potential width of maybe an inch of snow. My kids wake up the next day, 65 degrees and sunny outside and, and they're always happy. So you know, you've got to make those decisions, but you do want to err you know, on being prepared and being cautious, first being caught um, unexpectedly unprepared, which um, yeah, I, I've experienced both with, with my military uniform on and as a civilian, um, you know, a number of times the last, whatever I am now, 25 years or however bloody old I am, I don't know. But speaking of uncertainty, I think it's a great opportunity to pivot to the next part of our podcast, the always exciting, never predictable roulette round. Dave Pounder, can you cue up your favorite song? Let's play a game. Okay, let's start. We I'm should ready. record this song. We should, we should, the three of us, we record that. I think it oh, I'm, I'm game, Andy. You just say the word. All right. All right. Well, here we are. So really good points of discussion in, in our opening here, but we do have some things to talk about in our roulette round. Dave, do you want to start us off for round two? So this will be a quick one. And it kind of builds on this hurricane stuff we were talking about earlier is, um, so I heard an interesting uh, podcast from earlier this week. Uh, I, I can't quite remember the name, but they were talking about the, um, and maybe it was a news or news broadcast or whatnot. But the thing was, is that report for Hurricane Ida, uh, because some areas were inaccessible for a lot of things, news reports were basing their information or feeds off of people who were stuck or who had stayed behind. And they were sending out, video tweets or Instagram posts or TikToks or whatever about their situations and, hey, we need help, you know, the water's up to here. And the question was, is, you know, we still have people who are staying to face these. And there's a long reason, there's a lot of reasons for doing that. But the question was, is that real life viewing of what's happening as opposed to the weatherman standing up when, and being blown away by the windstorm and, and getting pelted God by rain. Al Roker, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Al, good old Al uh, out there in, in Mississippi. But the you, um, 
the question was, is whether that would be real enough for people to make a, a change in their mind. I, I don't know. I'm not sure if, if that realism is going to cause people to say, hey, you know, next storm that comes through, I'm probably not going to stay here. I'm going to go. What do you think? I don't think any more real than images of Hurricane Katrina, right? I mean, and you look yeah. back to that, you know, people stranded on their roofs, just, you know, praying for somebody to come by, a helicopter, a boat, something. I mean, I don't know how it gets any more real than that. And, uh, you know, 16 years isn't that long ago, but for our short-term memories, when it comes to incidents and preparedness, I guess that seems like generations ago. But um, I, I don't know what gets people motivated to do the right thing. People always, like, underestimate the severity of these incidents. Uh, they don't think it's going to happen to their house, their home, their neighborhood. And, and man, I mean, I, I remember, you know, just, just a, a year or two ago here, we had a tornado blow through my community, not something we experience very often. Every roof in our, in our street was, was, was wrecked by that, you know, and, and trees were down and you just never know. And it just like everything else we talked about today, you've got to assume a realistic possibility of, of challenge. You've got to prepare accordingly, you know, whether that's insurance, as was the case with destroyed roofs for us or maybe don't live in that really constantly hurricane-facing uh, community, you know, find another place to live on higher ground or whatever it is, you know, as our sea levels rise and our coastal uh, terrain changes, you know, there's some problems that are going to be occurring in some of these communities that have taken for granted um, not being as severely impacted as maybe they, they thought, and it's going to get harder. But I don't know, Jen, any thoughts from, from you? No. So many thoughts. So many <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> uh, no, you got you know, you guys covered covered that. I, I and I feel like my topic is is pales by comparison. So I'm like, I, I don't know if I have a roulette round item today. Uh oh. Uh oh. I think no, it's time no, to no, it no. you're not allowed to it said spin the wheel, Jen. Spin I'm the spun wheel. the wheel. Spin okay. the wheel. Okay. Well, so yeah, but it, I mean, okay. That's fine. I'm spinning the wheel. I actually coming into like, it was this morning. I was like, I don't even have anything. And then this morning I was doing my collection and I ran across a tweet. Um, it actually, the tweet said the world is broken, but Troy Hunt is great. And we've talked about <laughs> Troy Hunt on this before. <laughs> so, He's living I, a life, man. I, Troy Hunt lives a life. I know, but Troy didn't say that actually. It was someone, uh, we'll just give credit here. I'm, I'm not familiar with, I don't follow the account, but I, but I think Troy liked it or something. So it, it populated, um, Russell Howe was the, was the gentleman, uh, at least the handle Twitter handle that said the world is broken, but Troy Hunt is great. And he shared a keynote from uh, black hat. Um, Asia this year that was virtual um, and Troy did lessons from 11 billion breached records and if you remember we've talked about Troy Hunt before but he is the um, founder of Have I Been Pwned um, so he did this talk and and what I he's always interesting and he's almost all, or he's always funny too so uh, what and, I thought and, and to, to give Dave some points he's always dreamy so <laughs> I see. I just got, I thought I should mention that. Like, go on. Sorry, Ben. That's okay. And what it kind of boiled down to, and you know, of course, we'll share this, and and for those who are interested, but um, you know, when it comes to you know, build, uh, eleven billion breached records, obviously, you know, Troy Hunt has that in his "Have I Been Pwned" um, architecture, um, or infrastructure, if you will. Uh, so he knows a little a thing or two about breached records. Um, but it really, he kind of started and went a couple of segments were kind of in line with the conversation that I had with um, on TCE in July um, when I talked with Ed Heyman and my mom, where we were kind of going back in time from where we started to where we are. But what I thought was 
was kind of funny. Um, I even retweeted it, uh, but about 23 minutes in, Troy starts on this bit about password complexity requirements and sa says, aren't all characters special? And I just, I, I just thought that was hilarious. Unfortunately, Troy, if you ever listen to this because we've tagged you, um, I stopped there and I need to go back. I need to listen to the rest of it. But I just, I kind of, that one stopped me dead in my tracks. I'm like, okay, I need to move. I, I need to go on with the rest of my day here, but aren't all characters special? And I thought that's hilarious. So they, anyway. are, they, they are, and it is. And Jen, I hope you can share that um, tweet link for us. I'd like, I'd like to see that as well. But you know, that, that brings us to up to a point um, that Jen and I, I think we disagree on, right? The pa passwords, I'm a big fan of NCSV three, three words, right? And, and you are not. So I, I, I will, I will confess publicly on the record. I use three, three random words all the time. I use my one password, password manager to, to store them. But I, I like the idea of coming up with those three random words. I like it better than the, the random mix of, of things. There's no way I'll ever be able to um, recall whatsoever. Whereas I feel like you know, certain ones I can recall if I need to. Um, my three random words. But I think it's a great, simple approach. Um, you can mix in those other special characters if you want to, which I do. But I, I like that. But you, you, you see it differently. You're not, you're not a fan of that NCSC guidance. Well, for so I, I did just what you suggested. I suggest that you add a little bit of some, some form of complexity that breaks up a predictive pattern. And not that the three words are predicted, but they're dictionary and they can be broken a lot more quickly than breaking that up. Don't make the ads, like I said, predictable, but I think, and I, I, I hate to quote someone, but I think it was, I think it was Troy that said the best password is the one you can't remember. That's right. So I, I, I think that was Troy apologies if it's not to anyone or the one who did that, but I do go back to that quote and I'm pretty sure it was him. Um, he's so, so dreamy. He's, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> But, but that, that, that is, I, I, I mean, I've heard variation of that a number of times. And you know, I think the best answer is, you know, do, do you know your password or, or what, you know, what's your password for the site? The answer should always be, I don't know, right? I have no idea. I rely on my password manager because I can't possibly remember all these different passwords. I think that's, that's absolutely right. Whether it was Dreamy Troy or somebody else who might have said that. I think it's been said a few times, a few ways. But yeah, there are certainly worse um, ways to create a password than three random words. Uh, worse oh yeah dave let's yeah i still need to fix that but um yeah anyway dave's password is presently dave pounder 1342 it just keeps changing the number up <laughs> one each time for and you change change. is that wrong i mean how am i supposed to remember that <laughs> there's actually a comedian I, I i can't remember his name right now there's a, there's an english comedian who does a bit on on passwords and he walks through it and he does a really actually clever job of talking through, you know, people come up with their favorite word, and then as, as the demands of password increase, they they add a capital letter, and then as, they, as a special character comes in, they add an exclamation point. As the numerical requirement, they add a one, and they just slowly increase the one to a two. And, and he walks through it, and there's a moment I think where everybody can sit there and be like, "Yeah, I did I did that at one point." <laughs> right? So he really nailed. I'll try and find his name, and and I, I know it's on Netflix. I'll try and find his name and, and share it. Um, but it, it is very funny when that because it is sort of that that feeling of oh man I just got caught. But that was many years ago, many 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 years ago. Certainly nobody's practicing such poor password uh, habits now. So Jen, good point, good good good, good thought. Anything you want to add on on that? Um, 
No, I mean, we can debate the whole NCSC three words thing. Again, there are worse ways to create a password, but, and I don't completely disagree with them. I just think that it could be, it could be modified a little bit. I agree. I, I agree. I should, you, should, you can you can mix it up a little <laughs> bit. I agree with that. But all the, the statistics on you know that that combo are pretty interesting to see, and that, they broke that down once or twice too, I think. But Dave, anything you want to add on passwords, password security, or your thoughts on Troy Hunt? I, I really am not. Of um, this is out of my as I'll pardon a, a phrase from uh, Jen. This is out of my wheelhouse. I, I'm probably <laughs> not not the one who should be uh, giving any suggestions on passwords. All right. Well, Hello, then, hackers. Come, Dave. Dave Pounder's vulnerable, right? So I just <laughs> said that to our 25 listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings us up to to the next part of our show, which is my I want to say favorite, but my my something I get a kick out of, which is our three questions portion of the show. show. So I hope you guys are ready. So it's here, touching. as I said, rehash, yeah, stretch out, get ready, loosen up. We're recording this right before the Labor Day holiday. So let's start with the holiday question. The holiday. You have the biggest issue is blank and why? Jen Walker. Wait, what was the question? So, so fill in the blank here. The holiday you have the biggest issue with is blank and why? What um, holiday you the biggest beef with and what's your beef? The biggest beef I have is Christmas. Wow, wow. <laughs> you heard it here. Jen hates Christmas. I don't hate Christmas. I love Christmas. But I, 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 I struggle with the commercialization of it because it's not, I mean, I, I understand the gift and the greatest gift and hey, I'm just going to go out there. I'm a believer and, and not the, not the Beatles song, but um, <laughs> not the Beatles, but, not the monkeys. or not the Beatles. Uh, yeah. But uh, damn, terrible anyway. But um, yeah. So um, just the commercialization and all the, the 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 hoopla around it and forgetting that we know why we celebrate Christmas in the first place. That's I love Christmas and I love celebrating Christmas. I just get really frustrated with all the commercialization. Yeah, that's that's very fair. I love the meaning of Christmas and I love the hoopla that goes around with it. But I can appreciate that point. I can appreciate that point. So Dave Pounder, on to you. Are you also a, a Christmas hater or a I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to the color green. Look, I I St. Patrick's Day is a great holiday for the Irish. Yeah. Okay. Agree. Look, you. I mean, this is just an excuse for people who have no connections to Ireland to be an Irish or anything. They don't even go to Notre Dame or anything, they, or even a Catholic high school or or whatever. They they but yet they try to make some like St. Patrick's Day like some sort of huge event for them I, I mean sorry I, I i don't buy it so so only only the irish can can get drunk and get in fights on saint patrick's day and everybody a else absolutely they mm -hmm. have you seen you i mean they deserve it of all people they deserve it <laughs> all right so that's i mean I, i've never been a saint patrick's day guy it's not my holiday but but I, I do i do appreciate that point so i'll go in a different direction but i'll also stay with green and trees and growing up for me we used to in school always recognize Arbor Day, right? We go, oh, we plant a tree, right? Uh -huh. we, we feel good about it, right? It was, I thought it was a really fun practice. And, and as I've grown to an adult, like no, nobody cares, right? There's Earth Day, which isn't a holiday, but it's recognized day. But Arbor Day, I think every state, I think recognizes Arbor Day, not a federal holiday. And I, I always thought it was nice. And I like growing up with it. And it just seems to have fallen by the wayside in recent years. So, you know, here I am taking a stand. I'm pro Arbor Day. I'd like to see that come back and and maybe one day we'll, we'll see greater recognition for that, that holiday. But 
All right, fair enough. So question two, question two. We've got a long weekend here. I'm a big fan of long weekends. Would you guys support a move to four-day work weeks? Like yes. <laughs> I was going to propose it. <laughs> Dave, Dave, thoughts? Are you, are you, would, you, would you be in for, if you saw the United States move to a four-day work week? I don't know. I, I, I mean, what, what are you going to do with that extra day? I mean, what do you do there? Oh, it's so many things. So, so many things. I, by the time, by the time Sunday wraps up, I feel like I've even started the weekend. I just finished my. Uh, my that's list. fair. I mean, it does. It is fair. Saturday is usually some sort of a work day. I mean, you, you're usually trying to catch up on things. You couldn't do that thing. Is Sunday? Some things maybe close. There's there's uh, religious activities for some people, and and then you next thing. And now football starting, so we're just going to sit right in front of the TV. I'll so watch the Lions game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm going to watch the whatever cowboys play and, um so but yeah no i mean i guess i could look at it from that view yeah that's not too bad we, we work hard americans work a lot we work a lot of hours we work very hard and i think it'd be i'd be very surprised that ever came to pass in this country but i do think goodness and i think there has to be a better work-life balance than what we typically do you know day to day so i would be i would be all for a 40 work week. i think you know something that's maybe a you know, some Fridays, some Mondays, you know, we're going to figure out how to handle that. So that there's maybe five days of, of coverage, but, but four days of work. So we'll see, maybe, maybe, maybe one day gets able to implement something like that on our own. But in the meanwhile, here's the, here's the challenge, you know, I, I think, and I'll just, I'll keep this short, I swear, but you know, you know, when in the, in the middle of COVID, when everybody was working remote, you heard all these companies say, Oh yeah, we're going to go full remote. We're going to do all this. We're never going to have to come back into the workplace again. And slowly they start walking that back and slow. So it may get some support in some parts of the thing. I do. I think your idea you know what the problem is, is we need to go back to when they started setting up like weekdays and weekends and stuff. Who made these rules? And like it, we, I can blame them because a lot of people can sit there. If we made Monday a weekend, if we call it the weekend, then everybody would be okay. And we would, we could just do four day work weeks. But we have to go back to like, I mean, God, the, I mean, whenever they did all that stuff. But it was a different time back then. So I think people didn't work the way we work today. I mean, over time, I think people have come to work more, expectations become more. We work longer, we work later, we work harder. And well, I mean, to be fair, you know, people crushing the mines and doing some of the intense physical labor that people have to do back in the day was very hard work. But I think that we, you know, we've made our work very long. They did, they did. And I think we just gotten away from that. I think there was, I want to say it was Andrew Yang, if I recall, during the 2020 election season. I think he was one guy calling for a move to four-day work week. So we'll see. I mean, some countries, you know, Japan's always been notorious for, you know, crazy work schedules and crazy work hours. And then I think on the other spectrum, you know, people always use uh, maybe Spain as a good example of, of where they've kind of got it down. And there's a little bit more of a relaxed vibe and summer breaks and, you know, afternoon breaks and um, maybe somewhere in the middle. We'll find ourselves one day. But one more question for you. The last few weeks, we've seen some really good older artists without new music or covers from remakes of Metallica songs by the likes of Miley Cyrus and Weezer to new music from legends like Billy Idol and ABBA and other artists from Blondie to John, full name, Cougar Mellon Camp, putting out new versions of their older songs. Is there a reunion concert or an older act that you'd love to see live if you could? I'm go You know, I just saw this the other day. Is ABBA is putting out a new yeah. album. Yeah, I, I mean, did you say that as part of your thing? I, I did, but you weren't listening. Like, you okay, know. I wasn't listening. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm in for ABBA. You know, I, I wanna I want either that, and I know that I know some of their members have died off. I would kill for a Monkeys concert. 
yeah they're touring i think they're doing like their last tour right now with the remaining band oh members. man that, i might have to check that out yeah did I you ever watch the, did you ever watch the tv show the monkeys oh yeah of course oh okay all right good davy jones I, that was great I, I grew up at a time when they, they weren't new anymore but you could catch okay. reruns of the monkeys and the brady bunch like on endless loop on some of those channels growing up as a kid and i watched you know, those and like different strokes reruns i think like all the yeah. time so. yeah family t- uh what was what was the other one different strokes and uh facts of life you know they, facts they of life, yeah and there's gilligan's island but i always hated gilligan's island i never i hated that show so, sorry sorry gilligan's yeah. fans jen how about you mm, do i have to answer that one no you don't you can pass if you want that's okay yeah i mean i'm the only thing that comes to mind and then well we are, you know, we lost Eddie Van Halen. So oh, I was going to say yeah. a Van Halen reunion with David Lee Roth. <laughs> that, 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 that was literally my answer. The original Van Halen lineup was originally my answer. I would love to go see Van Halen perform live with David Lee Roth, Eddie Van Halen crushing his car before they went completely crazy and, and started kicking him out of the band and all those uh, many changes. Although I appreciate Sammy Hagar's Van Halen now more than I used to. But, but yeah, seeing the original Van Halen lineup live would absolutely be the ones I would love to go see. Running with the Devil, Jamie's Crying, Panama, Live. Oh my gosh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> so, so that's all probably shifting. Jen, you look like a Van Halen fan. I could see you in the front row. I was yeah. a Van Halen fan. Yeah, 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 definitely. I could, I could definitely see you rocking to that. So awesome, <laughs> guys. So thank you for entertaining. My, my, my husband and I have a constant battle with the, 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 the David Lee generation, or not generation, but the, you know, time frame or the, the Sammy Hagar. Yeah, He'll play was, a David Lee. I'll be like, yeah, the real Van Halen. And then he's like, no. And then he flips it over to Sammy Hagar. Well, I, you know, like I said, I was not a Sammy Hagar Van Halen fan, but I've come to appreciate him a lot. He still, still does some really good stuff. And, and now he performs with uh, Michael Anthony in, in with Sammy Hagar in the circle. And they do some pretty good stuff. He recently did a a Bowie remake and, and they put out some good music um, themselves. So I appreciate Sammy more than I used to. He's actually a pretty cool guy if you ever see him and I just hear what he's doing. He does some really cool stuff. So I appreciate him now more than I did, but yeah, still no, David okay. McRufflin's. So, all right, guys, anything you want to, you want to close us out with before we call it a show? This has been a long one. It long? has been a long one. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just feel really long, I think, because you're not listening, but that's besides the point. So, Hey, I fully admit I'm not listening. When when I pay, I mean when I go to Jen or you talk, I'm just like what the, oh, yeah. the ABBA oh, thing was clear cut. <laughs> guys, thank you both as always to start our month out with the Risk Roundtable. Looking forward to the return of the TCE as well as Dave's Risk Roundtable. There's definitely going to be some things we touched on today that you guys can be able to dive into in your panel discussion. Again, I'm very excited about this month's uh, interview. We've got a great guest this month. Another great guest scheduled for next month as well. So looking forward to all those coming back again, please subscribe and, and, and let us know any feedback or thoughts that you have for the podcast. We really appreciate that always. Uh, check them out. And in the meanwhile, if you're listening to this right after Labor Day, we hope you have a good long weekend. If you're listening to some other time, we hope you have a good weekend coming up. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Take care.